Good morning. Man, I better be good after that video. It's good to see you guys. Welcome to the Grove. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Eric Montoya, Pastor Grove, and we're thrilled you're here. If you're a guest, welcome. Thanks for coming. I want to say a hello, shout out to all those watching online, listening to our podcast. Thanks for tuning in. And then everybody else in the theater today, thanks for coming. I got some snow. Hey, how about that game last Sunday? Wow, we have a few Eagle fans in here. I think the rest of you must have been Patriots that didn't cheer, so sorry, guys, obviously. Um, hey, that was a great game. I, I enjoyed that game. And um, Anyways, I hope, hope you guys had a good time last, last week also watching the, the, the testimonies, the stories of the players. I thought that was great. Uh, I've been thinking about it all week just as I watched the, the interviews and I, I saw the game and talked to my son about it. He loves football, so we're talking about it. And it was just a great way to connect, make a connection um, for, for myself, for my son, for people that love football with what God is doing in, in the NFL, even to those players. So that's cool. Um, Hopefully you enjoy that. We're, we're going into a new series today, and I, I'm excited for this. I've been, I've been uh, excited for a while uh, about this series because uh, it's, it's something that's deep to me, um, uh, something very personal to me that uh, I want to help people understand when it comes to God, to the Bible. I think God is incredible. The Bible is incredible. It's a gift that God's given us. And I think um, it's, it's um, a lot of times misunderstood. And uh, I, want, I want to be kind of a leader that helps people to have the same kind of understanding and passion that Jesus had about, about God's word. So as we go into this, in this series, um, it's, it's really about the Ten Commandments. Um, and, and God gave these commands. So we're going to talk about it. But the, the bigger idea is what are the underlying principles that are, that are uh, attached to these commandments? So God gives a, a, a rule or a command or instruction, but why is that there? Uh, sometimes we just look at the, uh, the surface of it and say, okay, that's a command, but we don't always look at the deeper reasons and, and purposes behind that. And so for this series, I want to dig in a little deeper and say, but why? Why did he give us? Why is it so important that we follow these commands? And so we're going to look at it. Because in the Old Testament, uh, so God gave Moses the Ten Commandments on the mountain. Um, and he gave him more instruction and more commandments uh, that he was given to the people of Israel. So there are like 600 commandments that were given in the Old Testament to the people of Israel. And then they didn't want to break the commandments, so they began to add other commandments and other laws to make sure they didn't get close to breaking those ones. So they began to multiply. And after a while, um, it, it could be very tiresome to try to follow all of these commandments all the time. And what happens is we begin to think, well, the Bible is just full of all these do's and don'ts and regulations of trying, that, that I can't do. And it's 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 a uh, can be heavy and cumbersome and man it's just a lot of things that i have to remember and do's and don'ts uh, but really it's, it's it's simplified because god is he's always trying to simplify and say no that's not that's not the purpose behind that there's a reason behind it and i'm going to try to help you understand it I and mean, if you start thinking about our culture and traffic laws and the laws that we have if you actually started counting up all the laws we have you'd be in pretty quickly realize wow we actually have a lot of laws that we have to follow on a daily basis, on a moment-by-moment basis, when we're driving, when we're walking, when we're uh, paying taxes all soon, right? All those things. There's all these things that we have to pay attention to and be aware of. Uh, very similar. They're, they're designed for a reason, though. They're trying to lead and guide and protect, right? And so we're going to talk about that. But um, the reason I'm so passionate about this is because I'm going to tell you about something. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. Have you ever heard of the curse of knowledge? Anybody? Uh, curse of knowledge is this, is that once you know something, you forget what it's like not to know that thing. So you don't understand, like, you don't remember. And so you begin to make up these things in your head that, well, you know, like, you, you make the assumption that you always knew this truth or you always knew this thing, but you don't, you forget what it's like not to. And then when you talk to people, you assume they know everything that you know. And so you begin to treat them like, the, like, like they know what you know, and they don't, because it's the curse of knowledge. You forget what it's like not to know those things. Um, and growing up in church, I started up in church, and I saw a lot of people um, who, who struggle with this curse of knowledge. They forgot what it was like to actually not know the grace of God. They forgot what it was like not to know what God, the instruction God gave them. 
and, and they make this assumption that they just always followed it and they were always good and they were always and, and they, they turn into sometimes these really um, evil people and mean people that that um, that misuse the name of God to carry out their agendas. And let me let me explain it like this. So growing up in church, I would have friends that um, sometimes their family and I would know even some of my own friends and, and honestly, sometimes me. Um, I was one way at church on Sundays and then the rest of the week I was like somebody else. It didn't matter. Uh, so I'll, I'll dress up nice, put on a smile, and it's good, I'm here. But then the rest of the week, it's kind of like we just do our own thing. And I would see this pattern, not every, every Christian, but a lot of people that claim, claim to follow Christ, that they would live one way in front of others at church, and then they would live a different way somewhere else. And then I started working for a church in Bernalillo, and, and I would get these, these people in our church that, um, um, that knew, knew a lot of Scripture. But in knowing so much Scripture, I actually didn't want to be around them. Like they knew so much, they knew too much for their own good, and, and what I saw was there was a disconnect from knowing and doing. So it was nice that they could tell me all these passages, and they knew all the verses, and they knew what it said, but when it came to living it, it was like, oh yeah, well, that's, you know, knowing it is good enough. And there was a disconnect from, from, from living what they believed and just knowing it. And in our lives, this is what we have to be careful with, is that when you only have a, a knowledge of something, but you don't have the understanding that the foundation of that, you can become a dangerous person. Um, you can become a very, um, I would say, even a, a mean person. Uh, so the cursed knowledge is you, you, you forget. You make these bad assumptions when you forget what, what it is to, to know. So let me give you, give you a quote. In this, in this series, we're going to try to get to the underlying principles and foundations of what these commands were given in the first place. And I would say, uh, if you, whether you're a Christian or not, this is one of the best things you can do when it comes to the Bible is begin to ask the question, but why is it there? Why, why was it given? And what's the purpose of this? And don't just take it for face value of saying, okay, that's the command, that's it, that's good enough, but, but, but engage. Uh, what Ralph Waldo Emerson said like this, and you can substitute woman if you want for man, it doesn't matter. His quote just says man. The man who knows will always have a job. Oh, I'm sorry, the man who knows how will always have a job. You could say the woman who knows how will always have a job, and the man or woman who knows why will always be his or her boss. See the difference there? The person who knows how has a job, but the person who knows why has the understanding he will be the one that's in charge because he, he can replicate, he can recreate, he understands the principles behind the job in the first place, not just how to do it, but why you do it in the first place. And this is where, where my heart for the series is this, is I don't want to just tell you how and, and give, you, give you more knowledge, but what is the, the reason that's underlying? Why does God ask us of these things? And if we begin to ask those things, it will help us. Because uh, what happens if we only know, we, become, we can become haughty, we can become proud, and honestly, we can become jerks. Um, when you know something and, and you, you use it to, to hold um, against others. I would say it like this, that the Christian who only knows what will become a jerk. But the Christian who knows why will be full of life. The Christian understands the principles. This is where we see Jesus, all right? There's this big uh, difference between Jesus and the religious leaders of his day. These are religious leaders, man, they like to, to hoard, hold it over people that they knew more than them. And they like to, like to show off of all their knowledge. And Jesus was so frustrated because he's saying you're so proud, you're so arrogant, you're, and you're hypocrites because you're not even living it. You're just saying it, but you're not really practicing, practicing it. And, in fact, you, you, you don't even have the understanding of why that command is given because you're not, even, you're not even fulfilling the purposes that it's there for. But Jesus, on their hand, was saying, how the Bible say it? He was, he was full of, um, of truth and grace, of love and grace, right? Truth and grace. So he didn't, just, he didn't just know all the scriptures. He actually lived it because he understood the why. So, so Jesus was so kind and so gracious to people that the religious people were so against, the sinners, the tax collectors. Jesus had grace and compassion for them. Why? 
Because I think the curse of knowledge was playing its, its, its course in, in the Pharisees. They didn't understand what it's like not to know what they knew. They just assumed everybody was like them, and they, they did it. And we do this to people all the time is we just treat them like, like they know what we know, and they don't. And, and, and we, we make assumptions that sometimes aren't very helpful. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus always got down to the underlying reason, and he would always challenge. As we go through this series, you're going to see, there's even one of the commandments, one of the guys, the religious guys, he says, all right, so, you know, what do I, what do, I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, follow the commandments. And he says, I followed all these commandments, but he misses one. And it's really subtle, but it's in the middle of that. When we get to that, that commandment, I'll talk about that more. But he's just saying, you're, you're missing the point here. And he's trying to get them down to the, to the foundation of why it's given in the first place, not just the command itself. Here's what I know about the Ten Commandments, and I would say even the entire Bible, is it's all about relationships. If you want to know the sum of the Bible, you can sum it down to one word, it's relationship. God cares about our relationship with him. He cares about our relationship with others. So God, is some, he, he gave the Ten Commandments as the, the top ten, right? And the other commandments kind of fit within those. And then Jesus, he even shrinks it down to two. He says, love God, love your neighbor, which we'll talk about at some point. And then Paul even shrinks it down to one. He says, loving your neighbor is actually fulfills all the commands because he understands that you can't really love people, your enemies, without God's help. You really can't love everybody without God's help. And when you love people that God loves, you're actually loving God. And when you help people that God cares for, you're actually serving God. I think Jesus said something about that. Well, when you serve the least of these, you're actually serving him. It's the understanding that our relationships matter. How we treat others, how we interact with others, it matters. So it's not, it's not a list of rules. It's not just a list of do's and don'ts. But what is the principle behind it? It is a command, and God gave the command, but it's, here to, it's there to enhance. Hear this good, okay? The commandments and, the, and, the, and the, the laws that God gives in the Bible are there to enhance our relationships with God and with people. That's why he gave it, to enhance our relationships. He wants us to be healthy. He wants us to have good relationships, so they're there to help us on this journey. Um, it's always pointing to healthy relationships. So we find the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, starting in verse 1. It says this. It says, Then God gave the people, gave the people all these instructions. So it's God that's given it, not Moses. Make it, make it clear. And he, this is what God says. He says, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. So let, let me get this clear. He's saying, all right, I'm about to give you some instructions, but just remember, I'm the one who stepped in. If, if you're reading the one year with us, we just went through this last week, all the miracles, all the things that God did to, to, to save them from slavery. And he's, he's rescuing them. Um, and what's really, well, anyways, we'll get there later. Um, so he rescued the people of Israel. He's saying, I am the Lord your God. He's making the statement, like, there's a relationship here. There's a covenant. Like, I've been working with your ancestors to lead you on this journey. I'm the one that's on this, on this journey with you. Don't forget that. It's about relationships, and he's trying to point us to it. In fact, over and over, throughout the Ten Commandments, he, he keeps pointing back to God. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand. It's not a man giving these commandments. It's God giving these instructions, these commandments. Um, in fact, he says, uh, because he's rescuing us from slavery. Well, Paul compares uh, the work of, Christ, uh, work of Christ on the cross to, to free us from slavery the same way that God rescued the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt. The cross rescues us from slavery. It's a different kind of slavery, but very similar and, and, and uh, same um, in, the, in the fact that we were once slaves to sin, and because of the cross, because of the sacrifice, we were actually become free people that are free from the, 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 the hold of sin in our lives. So there's this, this parallel. It's, it's, a, it's a, a picture of what God's doing in our life with Israel and with, with us as, as people, as individuals, guys leading us on this. So when we look at these, you have to understand that these are, these are boundaries that are not to, they're not boundaries that are, imprison us, but they are boundaries to keep us from something harmful and even something deadly. 
Right? This, when God gives us this, 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 this framework, they're, they're boundaries to keep us from something that's going to hurt us, not to keep us from something that's good, but to keep us from something that's actually harmful and bad. Um, it'd, be like, it'd be like me telling my three-year-old, so I have a three-year-old daughter, um, me saying, Nova, you can't play in the highway. Right? You can't play there. Some people are like, hey, she's free to choose what she wants. She should be able to do whatever she wants. Why are you limiting her? Why are you taking away her freedom to play in the highway? What kind of father are you? Like, man, I can't believe you. She should be able to do whatever she wants, whenever she wants, however she feels. Well, it's not I'm trying to limit her freedom. I'm actually trying to save her from getting run over by an 18-wheeler, right? So my heart as a good father is actually saying, hey, don't play in the highway because there's something very dangerous there. So I'm going to give you a very strong boundary that says don't go over there. Because I'm a loving father, not because I'm a bad father, not because I don't care for her, because the opposite, because I care for her so much. And this is what God is trying to do throughout the scriptures. He's trying to say there needs to be boundaries. There needs to be guardrails that keep us away from areas that will cause a lot of destruction in our lives. He cares for you so much. He's saying stay away from those. But here's the challenge for us, especially as Americans, is our culture Culture is against boundaries and standards. Like it, it, it doesn't accept them readily. It, it actually pushes away from them because it keeps saying things like we should be free to do whatever we want, whenever we want. And so we'll paint, like, like on, a, on a highway, we'll paint white lines that kind of say, all right, there should be kind of, some kind of guidelines, right, that you should stay within. Um, but, but really, outside of that, it's really up to everybody else to decide. But the problem with that is when you're on a highway and there's a cliff, you really want a guardrail, not just a white line. You with me? Because that white line is not going to protect you from going off the cliff. And so our culture says stuff like this. It says, um, you've heard this one, drink responsibly. All right, so we're not going to you know, get into debates of alcohol, but let's, just, let's paint a line kind of just to protect people. Like, drink responsibly. But what does that even mean? What is responsible for, for, for you and for me? And what happens when you begin to drink a couple of, of, of beers and, or, or wine? When does responsible go out the window and you begin to be irresponsible and, and, and not able to make that decision? Well... But culture told us, and then here's what's really sad, is we tell people to be responsible, but then we don't really define it. It's not clear. And then as soon as they go off the cliff, or worse yet, they go into the other lane and kill somebody else, it's like, shame on them. Like, man, that's really bad. They should not have done that. But yet, we never set up proper boundaries to help them really stay away from those areas. Does that make sense? Are you with me? And so culture just says, you know, let's just kind of just, it won't be very clear, but we'll just kind of say, just here's some white lines. Where God is saying, no, you need boundaries so you don't cross any of these areas that will cause a lot of hurt in your life. And that's what this series is about. It's, it's the why um, about behind these. And if you don't under, understand these, what happens, it's not the, the major choices that usually take us out. It's the subtle gray areas that eventually lead us off course. And before we know it, we're like, how did I get over here? Because you made these little choices that are not good for you. And before you know it, you're way off course. It's not the big choices. Usually it's the small incremental choices that lead you off and, and destroy you so we want to learn the why behind it so we can learn why are these here in the first place so our hearts don't drift in those areas that um, even though our, it feels good even though our flesh wants it that it keeps us away from those cliffs that'll lead us down into something else our culture says stuff like this too wait until you're ready when it comes to sex they say tell teenagers like just wait till you're ready right like make sure you wait until you're ready that's that's the white line they paint for teenagers um, so if you're a woman, you might understand that. Like, okay, you know, wait for I, I, I get that. I'll wait for until I'm ready, and whatever that means to you. Which, which makes me to believe that probably a woman re- wrote that statement, right? Because if you're a guy, and, and once puberty hits, it's kind of like you're on this crash course for this. Like, and this is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. So God designed us to be this kind of this kind of drive and to have these things, right? So as a guy, it's kind of like wait till you're ready. You're like, well, I'm ready. Like, let's go. 
yeah, you're 14. I don't care. I'm ready. Right. And so this white line for readiness is not really clear. And then it's really sad is when when um, when somebody does cross those lines, it goes into these areas that are that are dangerous for them. And they get in situations that cause a lot of pain and hurt. Then culture looks at them and says, how could you have done that? Like, didn't you know better? Like, I, you told me when I was ready. I thought I was ready. So now why are you mad at me? Because I thought I was ready. But I guess now you're telling me I wasn't ready. Why didn't you tell me I was ready in the first place? Like, instead of telling me, wait till I'm ready, but tell me I'm not ready. Uh, anyways, are you with me? Are you, are you following me? And so, so sometimes we get these mixed messages of, okay, it's just not very clear. Um, because, anyways, all right. So I'll move on to the next one. Um, Here's, here's another thing uh, we, we hear when it comes to culture. This is actually a little more helpful. Click it or ticket. You guys have heard of this before, right? When it comes to following the rules, if you don't have a seatbelt on, you get a ticket, right? That makes sense. That's like pretty clear. Like, okay, that's kind of a boundary. That's, that's helpful. The problem is, is people still don't understand why. So then they get upset because like, man, this thing's so uncomfortable. Why is it on me? And, um, but if you read the stats of, you know, how many lives seatbelts save compared to not having a seatbelt um, and all that, you begin to realize, oh, this is really important. And so, but a lot of times we teach the, the what, right? Click it or ticket. But really the why is so you don't die, right? And that's, that's a really important thing to have. And, and, and so as we go through this, 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 uh, this journey of, of looking at these, these principles and, uh, that, are, that are foundation for the commandments, we're really saying understand why. And then when you're asked to do these things, it's easier. Oh, I get it. I get it. I should have a, I should have a very clear guardrail so I don't go off into the, into the cliff of alcoholism. I should have a very clear boundary so I don't go into um, the cliff of having affairs. I should have a very clear boundary so I don't go into the cliff of whatever that is that you would fill in the blank with. And, and that's what God is saying. I want to help you so you have a life that's full and you actually have freedom to operate within that, not keeping you from something that's good, but keeping you from something that's bad. Um, so, so do that. It's actually good. So when it comes to... Um, to driving, I think driving is one of the I think one of the best ways we'll be able to connect this because we see it all the time. Um, there's all these rules, all these laws, and 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 I don't know about you, but I, I think a lot of you are probably thankful for those rules. I was thinking about it, how they develop these. Like, what did it take for them to say, you know, 25 miles is probably the most we should drive in a residential? Like, what accident did it take for them to decide that? Right? We think like, man, it's so slow, but. When you realize the accidents that actually happen in residential when somebody's going really fast, like you realize, okay, yeah, there's a lot of cars and people and there's these short areas, so it's a smart thing. It's not a bad thing. It's not to keep you from something good like speeding. It's to keep you from something bad from like killing somebody, right, or hurting yourself. It's, it's there for a reason. But when it comes to driving, have you ever noticed this, that when you're driving, anyone that's going slower than you is an idiot? You're like, man, you're an idiot. Can't you like speed up? But then if somebody's going faster than you, you're, they're a maniac. Like, you're a maniac. Slow down. Right? Why is this? Because we judge others on their actions, but we judge ourselves on our intentions. Like, I'm driving, I'm driving because I have somewhere important to be. Like, I could speed because I have good reason, right? It's, it's, yeah, I'm a good person. It's all right. That person, man, he's an idiot. He's going fast. And this is what happens with, with, with knowing things and, 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 and treating uh, people, we, we miss it. Um, that's why it's so important that we don't ever miss the, the, the heart of why God is saying these things. Because if we don't, we just begin to make these assumptions that these laws are for other people, not us. Or we, begin, we assume that because we know it, we're doing it. And because we know better, then, then, uh, then we're doing better. But that doesn't always work out. It's kind of like I heard a story about this, um, this uh, older lady, elder lady that got pulled over by a police officer. 
So her and four of her friends were in the car, one in the passenger seat, three in the, the back. And this cop pulls her over, and he notices the ladies in the back, eyes are kind of big, and, you know, kind of, uh, they look a little scared. And, um, and he's, he pulls her over and says, ma'am, do you know why I pulled you over? And she says, no, officer, I'm going the speed limit. He says, actually, ma'am, you're going really slow. Like, you're, you're going 22 miles an hour, and the speed limit is 55. And that could actually be just as dangerous as going really fast. And she said, oh, I'm so sorry, officer. I, I just saw a sign, and it said 22, and I thought that was a speed limit. He says, no, no, you're on Highway 22, and the speed limit's really 55. And she's kind of embarrassed, like, well, I'm so sorry. I, I will go. The, I'll go 55. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll speed up. And, uh, and he says, okay, well, you know, that's okay. Just I'll let you off. And he's looking. He says, are your friends okay? Like, what's going on here? She says, well, I think they'll be okay. We just got off of Highway 119. <laughs> but they'll be all right, officer. Traffic signs are really important, right? Don't miss them. All right, so what is a principle? We're going to talk about the principles. A principle is a fundamental truth that serves as a foundation for a system of belief or behavior. So a principle is a foundation. It's, it's, it's universal. It's unchanging, which means it applies to everybody. It's permanent. Uh, that's, that's what a principle is. It, it works. If you, if you apply that principle, it'll work in other people's lives. So we're saying, what is that principle that God has given us that, in each of these commandments? We're going to walk through it. I'm working through a book right now by Ray Dalio. And it's, it, um, this is what, what he says about principles. He says, having a good set of principles is like having a good collection of recipes for success. I have a whole bunch of good um, recipes for success in here. They're called principles that God has for us if we follow them. But he says having a good set is like having a good recipe of, of success. He goes on to say that to be principled means to consistently operate with, with principles that can be clearly explained. So if you're a principled person, it means that you're operating with principles that you can explain. He said most people can't do this. They can't explain the principles they're operating. They're just doing it. My heart is to say, would you learn the principles behind these so you can live the life, uh, the best life that you could possibly live? I mean, here's the thing. If you're a Christian and you're following Christ, these are really, really important for you. Like, you should follow every single one of these. If you're not a Christian and you're here just visiting or learning, if you follow these, they're going to be helpful for you. I'm not holding anything over you because if you haven't signed up to follow Christ, I'm not saying you need to follow these. You should. You should learn about them. Maybe make, make some time to, to, to research and discover. But if you do, a principle is foundational, and, and, and it's um, um, universal, so it helps everybody. When you follow those principles, it will apply to you whether you're a Christian or not because those principles work. Um, so each of us, and here's the thing when it comes to, to, the, to the God's word in the Bible, and, and even the Ten Commandments, we talk about this, is each of us determines the depth of our relationship with God and with others. We each get to determine the depth of our relationship. And, and, um, and when I say this, is because in Exodus 20, when he gives the people the, the Ten Commandments, he declares, I'm God, and then he gives them Ten Commandments. And then the next exact thing, the, the thing that follows that, is it says in verse 18 that when the people heard the, the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, when they saw the flash of lightning and the smoke billowing from the mountain, like they were freaked out. They're like, man, there's a lot of happening up there with Moses in the mountain. They said to Moses, you speak to us and we'll listen, but don't let God speak directly to us or we'll die. And Moses said, don't be afraid. If God has come in this way to test you um, so that you will fear and he'll keep you from sinning. So he's saying, God, there's a purpose in this. God is trying to show you he's powerful. He wants to help you. Because here's the truth is the people of Israel, they didn't, want, they didn't want to hear from God directly. They wanted to hear from Moses because they were afraid to die. And, and here's what happens when we encounter God. There, there is things that die in us, but this is a good thing. Like pride dies. Selfishness dies. Greed dies. Laziness dies. Why? Because we're surrendering our own things that we want to say, I want to follow you. That's what it means to be a Christ follower, is we begin to let these things die in our lives so we can follow, follow God. So my question for us is this. Do you want to have a relationship with God that just is following rules, 
Or do you want to have a, a relationship that has depth of understanding? I hope you would say, I want to be the kind of person that has a depth of understanding. I want to know why these things are given in the first place. I don't want to just follow them blindly or just as, just like they are, but I want to know why they're there. In fact, I went on this journey. Um, I, 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 I didn't tell you this. Um, one of the reasons so dear to yeah, I, I did tell you. So when I was working, growing up at church, I saw Christians who didn't live it out, right, their faith. Um, they, they would say it, but they wouldn't live it. Um, and, and I got really discouraged. About age 20, I actually um, was considering walking away from God and the church. Like, I, I didn't want anything to do with it. I was like, these people don't even represent you well. And they're saying they're, they're your church. And they're your people. And they know a whole lot, but they don't even live it. Like, they say all these nice things, but they don't care for the poor. They don't care for the hurting. They don't care for the lost that are far from God. Like, what's it? There's this big disconnect here. And, and I, I begin to read this book about this. It's called Blue Like Jazz. Uh, this, it's this guy's journey of really similar, the same situation I was in. He really didn't like God because of the Christians that, that he was around a lot of times. Um, but he liked, he liked Jesus, he liked his teachings. He just couldn't reconcile the two. And I begin to read this book. And he doesn't say this in the book, but this is what God spoke to me in that book. As I begin to read through that book, God asked me the question. He says, why do you think you're better than those religious people when you're doing the exact same thing um, that they're doing? And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm really trying to help people. I'm trying to, like, not just know it, but to live it. And he says, no, no, you're treating them the way that you don't like them treating others. So religious people, they say a lot of good things, but they, they didn't really care for others. You know, they, they, would, they would make it hard for people to come to Christ. This is what the Pharisees were doing, why Jesus didn't like it. They, they, were, they were making it so hard. They were, they were putting so many boundaries that they were actually keeping people away from God and keeping themselves away from God. And, and, the, and these, the religious people that, that um, got under my skin, I, I began to say, man, they're, they're not even kind. They're, they're mean. Like, they're, they, they know a lot, but, but they're more, they do more damage than good. And God said, yeah, but the thing that you don't like about them treating the unchurched or the people that are far is the exact same thing you're doing to them. You don't care for them. You don't pray for them. You don't love them. And I was like, at 20 year olds, like, wow, ow, that kind of hurts. Like, you're right. Like, I'm doing the same thing to them that they're doing to the others, and yet I think I'm better. And it's so subtle in our minds how we can do that to ourselves because of knowledge, because of what we think we know. And if we're not careful, we become the very people that we actually despise and don't like. And this is why it's important that we have to understand. The, and so on my journey, I begin to ask pastors, like, oh, I don't want to become those people. So I want to become the people that, re- that look like Christ, that represent Christ well. What does that look like? So I ask questions, why is that commandment given? Why do we practice these things in church? Why do we allow these things? Why do we do these things? And some pastor, they'd say, well, it's just the Bible says it. That settles it. Don't ask more questions. That wasn't good enough for me. Other pastors would engage me and say, well, they'd ask questions, and they'd help me find the underlying principle. And, and this began a journey for my life is I want to know why, why God asked these things. I don't want to just accept it. I think we should accept it and trust God. But if we understand the why, then we can explain it to others. So when my kids ask me questions, I want to be able to say, hey, this is what God says, but this is why he says it, all right? Driving down the highway, there's a speed limit. You know, we know the speed limit, but what is the reason there? And why do they choose that speed limit for that place? There's a big reason. I went to a defensive driving class a while back, a long time ago. You're not concerned. I'm pretty safe on the road now, all right? And, um, and the guy, he spent 80 of the time talking about um, one, one area where it had 80% of the fatalities happened. And that was the whole class. He spent the majority of the class talking about that one and what we could do to avoid fatalities in that one area. And I I thought it was going to be like the highway, you know, driving down the highway really fast, speeding like crazy. It wasn't. It was intersections. And he spent the whole class teaching us how to be be, uh, uh, cautious going into intersections and how to pay attention and what to do. It was a great class. I remember everything he taught because he he gave the reason 
behind what he was asking us to do. It was, it was incredible. And that's my heart for you guys is I want to give the reason. Uh, Psalms 103 says this about Moses and, and the people of Israel. 103.11 says, He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. Don't miss this. It's subtle, but what he's saying is this. He says, Moses knew why. The people of Israel just knew what. So the people of Israel, they experienced the church. They experienced God. They experienced these things. They just knew what. Moses knew why. He had understanding, not just knowledge. If you come, if you read your Bible, you come to church, and all you're after is more knowledge, that's not going to be very helpful for you. But if you can say, I want the understanding that goes with this, then you'll be able to be helpful, not just to yourself, but to others. And you won't get stuck on things that don't matter, like the Pharisees did. They had all these rules and all these laws, and they said, if you're a good person, you have to follow these. But they were stuck on the wrong things. And Jesus was saying, you're, not, you're missing the whole point of that in the first place. Like Sabbath, they made it so hard. They made Sabbath so difficult that you couldn't even do Sabbath the way God wanted you to do Sabbath. It was more work to do Sabbath than to not work. And, and Jesus was saying, you're missing the point. Like, like you don't even know why gave you, God gave you Sabbath in the first place, because you've confused it. Because they didn't have understanding. And God is saying, I want you to know why. I want you to know my ways, not just my deeds. I want you to choose depth of understanding. All right, so I just gave the, found, the, the, the introduction for our series, all right? Um, now I'm going to give you the first principle. I'm going to go short on this because five weeks ago I talked about it. In the fall I talked about it. Um, last year I talked about it. And we'll, we'll hit this a lot because this is one of those main principles that we'll hit over and over as a church because it's important. Uh, but the first principle is this. It's the principle of priority, all right? Uh, principle of priority. In Exodus 2, 3, we, we find this in the first commandment. It says, you must not have any other God but me. First commandment, commandment one is, you shall not have any other God but me. That's the first thing he told the people of Israel. You cannot have any other God but me. Other translation says, besides me, before me, in front of me, in my face. I don't have other gods in my face, against me, other than me, in opposition to me. Is that clear enough? Like he's saying there's no other gods. In, in Isaiah 45, he actually says, I am God, there is no other. Like, don't confuse the gods you make up with actually the God who exists. And he's very clear on this. He's saying, I, am, I made everything. And all these other gods are, are made up. They're, they're, they're from our imaginations. They're from um, our own desires. Uh, I was just in, 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 in India, and they have, they have millions of gods. And what I found interesting is the gods that they worship and serve, they worship one for this and one for this and one for that. Um, but, but what I kept hearing over and over is they were doing it for a selfish reason. They were saying, I worship you because you give me something. I worship you because you give me something different. I worship you, but it was all for their own what they get out of it. You got to say, no, no, like as a healthy relationship, there's healthy results and healthy things that come from it. But that's not the start. You don't you don't come to me because you want something. You come to me because you want to know me. And, and, and that's the, the, what he's saying here is you have to have no other gods but me. You have to make this decision that either I'm first or I'm not. But if God is not number one on your list, he's not on your list. That's what he's saying. So we have order, you know, you've probably heard it, like God, family, work. Like that's a good, good, good order, right? Well, if God is two or three, he's actually erased from your list. Like he takes his name off and says, no, I'm really not on that list because you made something else priority. You made something else God. And the principle is this. Whatever you put first determines everything else that comes after it. So if you have a bad foundation, your house will crumble and fall, right? So your first things that you do are really important. The first things you do in your day are important. Um, the first things you do with everything in your life, over and over, that's what God is saying. The principle of first is really important because what you put first determines how everything else is going to be. If this is unhealthy, everything else is built upon will be unhealthy. That's the principle. 
First is really, really important. Are you with me, anybody? First is important. Yeah, you hear that? So first is important. Uh, otherwise, your, your life will crumble. And so it's, we can say it like this. We have to worship God only. We make him a priority. We can't make other gods a priority. Next week, we're going to talk about idols, and that will fit into some of this, um, and what it means to, to begin to worship false things and, and things that we imagine and, and want for ourselves. He's saying, just, just let me be God in your life. Like, trust me. Um, when, when you serve a whole bunch of things, you actually, your, your commitment is diluted. It would be like, um, um, it'd be like me telling my wife, I'm really committed to you, but this week I'm going to go, um, have relationships with this woman and this woman and this woman, but I'm really committed to you. She'd be like, no, you're not really committed to me. No, I really am. Like you're my wife, but I'm going to have my, just do my own things with everything else, everybody else. She'd be like, no, that's not how it works. Right. You with me? This doesn't work that way. That's what God is saying is, if I'm God, I'm God. If I'm not, then I'm not. You make the choice. I'm not going to force on you, but put me first. You'll see what happens. And once you put me first, everything else begins to work out the way it needs to. Jesus, Jesus repeated this. Matthew uh, 6.33, he says, uh, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be taken care of. Like if you put God first, he makes things work out for good in your life. Um, so when it comes to the Bible, when it comes to Exodus, when it comes to the Ten Commandments, um, the people of Israel... They were slaves um, in Egypt for 400 years, right? They, they've been in Egypt for about 430 years. Uh, close to 400, 400 of the years, they were actually slaves to the Egyptians. And God's going to rescue them. And as you read through Exodus, you'll begin to see God is trying to free them from slavery. And, and he does from, from the physical slavery, but in their minds, they're still slaves. Like they want to go back over and over to Egypt because they keep thinking, those things were better than what you're asking me to because it's difficult at times. And they kept missing this up. Uh, one, one pastor, like he says, like this, Warren Worsby, he says, Exodus teaches us that freedom is not a license and discipline is not bondage. God has given us boundaries, but not, not to, to keep us away from something, but to give us freedom in it. And discipline is good for us. Fools use freedom as a toy to play with. Wise people use freedom as a tool to build with. Don't forget what it's like not to know God. That's, that's a toy. When, when you forget, it's a toy for you to do as you want. You use religion, you use Christianity, you use the Bible for your own gain, and you forget what it's like not to know any of this. God is saying, don't, don't do that. Wise people use it to build up and to help others. Um, in fact, Exodus explains that true freedom is. It, it explains what true freedom costs, and it, it shows us how it must be used. That's what he's doing in Exodus in the Ten Commandments and the other commandments. He's trying to break them away from a pattern of worshiping all these gods. So in, in Egypt, there was 29 major gods and 2,000 lesser gods, all right? There's a list of them. One of the gods' name was Happy, uh, but that god didn't make you happy. All right? It's something very different. Um, and there's, uh, there was a god named Nut. There was a god named, um, um, uh, anyways, just different gods there. And, and they worship them for different reasons. And when God rescues the people of Israel, he actually, the plagues that he does, go against some of their major gods. Like It's, it's kind of like a, a punch in the gut to Egypt saying, you think this god is so important? Here, I'm going to send you this plague. And it's exactly that God. It's like it's pretty amazing. And if you read it, you begin to understand that. So um, he's trying to show freedom and help them through because he's saying, if you put me first, you'll be free. If you don't, you become a slave. So we think saying, God, you're God, then that keeps me from all these good things. He's saying, no, it keeps you from bad things. It actually leads you to life. If you put me first, it's a good foundation. I'll lead you to life. And it's good. So we'd say it like this. The, the principal priority would be put God first. Over and over, put God first. Um, when, when the first city is conquered, he says, that's my city, give it to me. When the firstborn is born, he says, that belongs to me. Uh, when you harvest your first fruits, that belongs to me. And what he's saying, he's trying to teach a principle of saying, it only works if you put me first. If you put me second, third, fourth down the road, it doesn't work the way it's supposed to. It's not going to work. 
I'm trying to keep you from in freedom, not in slavery. And that's what we keep trying to tell them over and over. It's about putting God first. So here's my challenge for today for us, all right? Um, the principal priority is, is the understanding that God wants us to build our life upon something that's solid and secure, and that when we put him first, he takes care of everything else. It's a faith statement of saying, you put me first, your life will be built upon something very good. Jesus compared it to the story, right? He said, a wise person builds his life upon something that's solid, a foundation that's, that's good, that holds. A foolish person on something that's unstable like sand. The wise person, when the storms come, his life withstands and stands strong. Foolish person, when something comes hard, it collapses. He's saying if you start with the right foundation, everything else goes. And that's what he's saying in the first commandment is put me first, and I'll make everything else work out, work out in your life. So it's the first of the day, first of the week, first of the month, first of the year. You have to get in this pattern of saying I'm going to put you first in every part of my life. Um, so this week, would you put God first? If you're not reading the, reading, reading the Bible, I would say I mean, get, the, the, get the, the app on your phone or, or you can get a one-year Bible. That helps me. Uh, we have 22 people, 23 people reading with us together through the year reading. It's pretty awesome. And um, you read a couple, couple chapters every day, and it keeps you on track to read through the whole year. Um, but the purpose is not just to get knowledge and to read it. It's to say, God, why? What, what are you doing here? Help me to understand what you're doing here and read this. So I would say put God first. Uh, make it a habit of putting God first. If you're, if you're not a Christian, you're here today. Um, my invitation was, would you invite God to be first in your life? This might be the first time for you. Uh, maybe some of you walked away from God or God's not first. This would be the day you say, all right, God, I put you first again. Forgive me that I begin to worship all these other gods of things that keep my attention and my time. Today I choose, I choose you. Uh, here's, here's what the Bible says why the law was given in the first place. All right? It says that the law was given to show us what we really are. That's the purpose of the law. So it's, it's not to keep us from something bad, from something good, is to keep us from something bad. But it's also to show us that we can't, we can't do life on our own. Like it reflects, it's like a mirror that reflects to us exactly what's there. Whoa, there's some greed there. Whoa, there's some pride there. There's some, there's some really things that are destructive in your life there. You need to change. It's like a mirror that says you need to fix that. And, 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 and James says the wise person sees that and does something about it. He acts upon what he hears and reads. He does something. So the reason God gave us says you aren't good enough to do this on your own. But I'm going to give you, I'm giving you help. I'm going to send my son to die in your place so you can have a way back to me. Um, you can come on up, Sarah, if you want to start playing. It'd be good. I, I read a quote from Seneca. It's great. It says, without a ruler to do, to do it against, you won't make the crooked straight. See, a ruler is not, uh, there's no value if you, just, if you just know what a ruler does and know everything about a ruler. There's only value when you use it to actually make something beautiful, when you use it to actually correct something. God gives us a ruler, and he says, I want to help you fix those crooked areas of your life, if you'll just trust me. I want to help you on this journey if you'll just let me lead you and guide you. I want to make those things better. See, the, the purpose of ruler is not just to know about the ruler. It's to do something with that ruler. It's to create something, to make something. The purpose of God's word is not just to know it. It's to actually do something with it. See, the Pharisees kept... They, they kept creating these fences, and they, they knew all the, the laws, and they created more laws to protect those laws, and it became so um, cumbersome that it kept people from God, and they, but they missed the point. And I think God would say today, don't miss the point. Life is not just about following rules. It's about knowing the God who gave those constructions in the first place. Life is about trusting and learning why he's wanting to keep you from certain areas. Not a bad thing. It's actually a very safe thing, the safest thing you can do. The unsafe thing is to go off into the, the cliffs 
go in those areas where you just think you have free reign and do whatever you want. And then look back and say, man, I really wish. In fact, there's people in this room that have been affected by family members, by people that have made those decisions to go off cliffs. And it's negatively impacted your, your, your life. Because they said, I have the freedom to do whatever I want. And then their results and their consequences of their choices affect us. Same is true for you. God is saying, I want to invite you to lead. So as we close service today, this is my, my invitation. If you're here today and God is not first in your life, would you make him first? Would you make him first? See, God says that if we confess our sins, and we all have them, I'm not perfect, we all have issues, we all have things that, that, that God is trying to work in our lives. He said, if you'll confess those, if you'll acknowledge that you can't do it on your own, if you acknowledge that you were, you've broken my, my ways, my laws, and I'll come and I'll forgive you. And if you accept me as that sacrifice, you accept me as your Lord, and I'll join, join you on this journey. And so today I want to invite you, if you're here today, and you would say, I want to put God first, I need his help, I want to lead you in a prayer. Uh, would you do me a favor, close your, high, close your eyes and bow your heads for me. If that's you today and you're saying, I'm, I'm here, I hear what you're talking about. God is not first, but I want him first. I need to change things in my life. So today I want to invite him into my life. I want to say this prayer. It's a simple prayer of invitation of saying, God, I want a relationship with you. God, forgive me, help me, lead me. So if that's you today, would you do me a favor? Would you just lift your hand right now? Wherever you are in your, your seat, just lift it. That's me. Awesome. I see your hands. I see your hands. God, I give you my life. I give you my life. It's a statement you're saying, God, I, I put you first right now in my life. Anybody else? Awesome. If you raise your hand, I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm just going to lead you to prayer right there in your seat. Uh, if you're a Christ follower, would you join us in praying so they're not praying alone? If you raise your hand, would you say this prayer with me? Would you say, Jesus, today I need your help. I believe that you died on that cross in my place. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life, creating me a new heart. Make me into a new person. I believe you're alive today and you have good plans for my life. I give you my life. I put you first. Lead me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate those that raised their hand today and prayed that prayer.